Yeah. With the brethren. That's such a witness. Such a witness because yeah. peace in the midst of trial, you know, is what we all need. Mm. And mm. we all have trial. Mm. No matter what it, you know. Life is Like trial. life, yes. we yeah. all face trials. You know, at one level or another, and that's what we need, is that peace. Because God is working it toward our benefit if we can just give that to Him and, you know. Give that to Him. I think he, even if we don't give it to Him, He's still working it for our good. But if we give it to Him in our hearts, we can get that peace. Yes. You know, we get the peace <laughs> yes. when we give it to Him and go, Okay, Lord, I may not understand why this is happening. I may not understand, you know, like you said, why is this necessary, Lord? Why this, you know? <laughs> why do I have to go through this right now? And that, that's the temptation, I think, is to ask those why questions. But I don't think a lot of times we get the answers to our whys. It's more just like uh, knowing Christ through it. I mean, we come out closer to Him. And if that's the main reason, that's a good enough reason. It's the gem. I yeah. Think, right? Because, I mean, you just look at mm. the book of Job, you know. Mm. You read that book and it's like, why did he have to go, oh my goodness, you yeah. know. Here's a righteous man, went through more trial than anybody's ever heard of. And yet he did come out at the other end just so, I think, realizing God was so far above and beyond what he imagined and thought and he was more surrendered at the end of his trial than a, than than he was even though his life was laid down he went through that and he became more surrendered and we think whoa how could he become how could someone so righteous even get more you know but he did and as bad as it looks on this side with the crosses like that, like that was a cross for Job, right? Yes, yes. He literally lost everything that we would think, you know, what what more is there to lose than what he lost, right? right. Okay. Except for his life. Yeah. His encouraging wife. His encouraging wife, right? God and die. <laughs> And you can't really blame her. I mean, that's probably what I would say, too. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But, you know, it's like, that's the cross. I mean, that is the picture of the cross, and which is actually kind of what I wanted to touch on this morning for staff meeting. The first came to me, John chapter 6, verse um, 38. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven... Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I think that is what, um, that is what our challenge is. Is to be like Christ. And the way he was, was not doing his own will, but the will of the Father. All the way to, and his own life, his whole life was that way. He never chose to do his own will. He was always seeing what the Father was doing and doing that. And so he was continually dying to his own will, which is what we're called to do as believers. 
we are called to take up our cross, in other words, die to our own will, so that we are doing the Father's will, just like Christ. He gave us the perfect example. He didn't give us an example that we can't follow. He gave us an example that we can follow. So, and in other words, he, he fully lived out a human life. He didn't just, he wasn't like superhero, where he was like, I'm going to draw on my divine powers now <laughs> to like carry this out. No, he was, he embraced the weakness of humanity. He embraced the weakness of his, his humanity. All the way to the point where he was like, not my will be done, Lord, but yours be done. All the way to the point of allowing people to spit on him and abuse him all the way to the cross and kill him, everything, you know. He embraced the weakness of his humanity the whole way, all the way to his death. That was his example to us. This is what we are to follow. Like, that is the example. And I believe that when our will is surrendered fully to Him, that's when we can fully come into this union with God that is the resurrected power of Christ in us. Right? Because that's when the cross has its way in our lives such that our will is dead. And when our will is dead, then we can live out the resurrected life of Christ in us and through us to the world around us. So that is what, that's what this whole life is about, <laughs> basically, in a nutshell. That's wow. what it's about, is wow. so surrendering our will that our will can be fused with His will because then we have that union with God. If there's anything left of our will, right, then we have the tension and struggle because we're still holding on to something, still holding on to something that we want. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so hard not to do that. That's normal, right? And we're, we're always going to be surrendering more and more of our will. And the Lord helps us. <laughs> He helps us to surrender by giving us trials <laughs> and tribulations, right? So all this is used to help us to surrender our will so that we can completely give that over to Him so that He can completely manifest Himself in us and through us to the world. And I believe, I've been, I've been really stirred about um, this idea of revival lately. Um, Danny, my 16-year-old, um, you know, a few weeks back, um, we started talking about, hey, maybe we should do a youth night, Friday nights, what should we talk about? And Danny goes, let's talk about revival. I'm like, okay, you know, and Jim was down, so Jim had started it out for us and talked about revival, and a few of the youth came, and they got stirred up, and Danny got excited in his spirit to um, be prepared, which is, you know, like for him to sit down at the keyboard and like map out his songs, you know, that's, that's good for him because it's easy for him to like 
just look on his phone and go, oh, I'll just figure it out when I get there, you know. <laughs> it's okay if it's not that great, whatever. I'll just, you know, pull something up and play something. But he was, like, stirred up to do more, you know. And, and so it was, it was exciting to see that. And then he's, like, inviting some friends, you know, taking initiative to invite some friends and they showed up, and there was some fire in here on some on first Friday night. We showed a little video of I Help Kansas City Awakening, um, just to give the kids an idea of what revival kind of looks like. You know, a little picture. We gave them a little clip, and they were like, "Oh, that's what it is," you know. And then the next week, they all invited more friends. More people showed up last Friday night, wow. and they got more into it. You know, so there's a little momentum, a little energy, a little excitement. You know, Jason shared last Friday night. He's going to share this Friday night on William Seymour. So we're going to start hitting some of the revivals of the past and sharing a little bit, maybe a few more video clips of revival, what it could look like, you know, to give them some vision, kind of what they're going for in that sense. But, um, so I've been thinking about it, and I've been looking at old revival. I've been looking at some little revival clips, you know, whether it be the Brownsville revival, the one that I went to, or the Hebrides revival. There's little clips you can get on YouTube where you get, like, a little bit of history in 10 minutes, and you're like, whoa, right. <laughs> this is, like, so powerful, right? And the one that we went to, the Brownsville revival, Dan and I went back in 1997 and 1998. It was kind of in the peak. It, it started in 1995 and went five years and um, was a powerful move of God. And um, so looking at some of those clips from the Brownsville Revival, it immediately brings it back to me, like as if I was there yesterday. And I just start weeping. I just like, oh, because I just remember what it was like to be in that room, to be in that place where the power of God was level, what felt like level 10 to me, the highest that I've ever felt. It felt like level 10. And, and, I, and if that, that's just a drop in the bucket compared to what's coming, what Jim calls nuclear thermo revival, <laughs> like where God awakens the whole earth because he will have his inheritance. Jesus is going to get his inheritance, which is all the nations. He's going to get, he's going to save as many people as can be saved without violating their free will, which is why we have end time judgments. The end time judgments are to help people come to Christ. You know, and so they're either going to go towards him or away from him. And that's why the judgments get stronger because if they choose to go away from him, they're hardening their, they're hardening their heart more. And then it takes something bigger to wake them up, which is why the judgments increase. But he is always after saving as many as he can save without violating their free will and doing it in the least severe way. The book of Revelation is the least severe way to save the greatest number of people without violating their free will. That's what that is. <laughs> and so, um, and it's really God's mercy that it only lasts three and a half years for the Great Tribulation. That, that's so small. It's so short in terms of all of history, you know? 
it really comes down to like a pregnancy and a birth. You come down to the time of transition, right? Thank God transition doesn't last very long, you know, and then the baby is birthed. So that three and a half years, that's transition for all of human history, right? To birth the kingdom of God in the earth where Jesus is ruling and reigning physically on the earth for a thousand years. And that's what we believe. We take this thing literally. Where <laughs> you just read it and you're like, yep, that's what it means. We don't, we don't symbolize everything or explain it away or try to come up with some theology that better fits what we think God is like rather than just taking it at face value. I think that's dangerous to do that. <laughs> you know, because um, the Lord said he came physically, right, the first time. He didn't come symbolically. He was here with us. People Amen. held him. <laughs> they gave him hugs, you know. He was physically with them. And then he ascended into heaven, and these angels that took him up into these clouds said, Men of Jerusalem, why are you looking up? The same way he went up is the way he, was, he is going to come back down. And they said, they said that. Like, he's going to come down in the same way, physically and bodily, to the earth to rule and reign for a thousand years. That's just straight up what the word says. There's no reason to make that all symbolic. Like, that doesn't even make sense. And it does violence to so many scriptures that are just really plain. They're very plain to read. They're like, this is how it is. It's not that complicated. This really wasn't written for scholars. This was written for the common man, you know? So, um, anyways, I don't know, I was going to go into all that, but I just feel a stirring in my heart that, uh, I know a lot of people have been saying this, you know, we've been saying it for years, I guess, that revival is coming, but it feels like, um, I was just with Pastor Brent yesterday, I was at a pastor's meeting where pastors gather, you know, for the region, and there was maybe nine of us gathered, and, um, is talking to Pastor Brent for a minute and I'm like, Brent, we went with Brent and Suzanne to the Brownsville Revival. Like right after we met them, they said, do you want to go with us to this revival? And we had no idea what he was even talking about. But the Lord like literally opened up the doors and gave my husband a prophetic dream and, and he just made it so clear. Go. And so we went. It was like we just barely met these people and we're going on a trip together to wow. Florida <laughs> to go to a revival meeting that we don't know anything about. It was just crazy. But I was just saying to Brent, I said, Brent, can you even imagine the tidal wave of revival that's coming? Wow. If we experienced Brownsville at the level we experienced and that's a drop in the bucket, what in the world? <laughs> I don't even, I can't even imagine. Because it was... It was so powerful. I, I mean, I could show you some videos. I've been looking at them this week, just getting rocked again, remembering. Because I felt it. I was in that room. I was like, it felt like level 10 to me. It was crazy. Um, and it definitely characterized, what characterized it was the conviction of sin coming down in the room and people running to the altar to get saved. 
And that's what got me, is every night when they would do the altar call, I was just, I felt so cut to the heart. And like watching all these people run to the altar and cry out to God to get saved. And it happened every single night, every night. <laughs> and it was just so intense. And to see that kind of conviction, you felt it in the room. The Holy Spirit coming down and conviction of sin. Like you had to either run out of there or go get saved. There was just no middle ground. That you just could not be there observing. Like there was just way too much power for that. (laughs) You could not be an observer you know, it was so intense, a very intense atmosphere. And, um, you know, God touched us so deeply. We were never the same. Like, it was just so, so crazy. But, um, anyways, I just believe God's stirring things, yeah. you know? And yeah. even with all that's happening in our nation, right? Are we so ripe for revival? I mean, (laughs) we need revival so bad. It has to be coming, right? (laughs) You know? And so, and I just hear about some prayer meetings popping up. Pastor Larry from Celebration was there yesterday. They have a prayer meeting Friday nights somewhere at his church, and like 40 people are coming. And they're really engaged, you know? They're really crying out. And I don't think they've really seen that for a while in their church, you know? Like, there's a fresh fire to pray over there. I'm like, that's awesome. We need to go over to Pastor Larry's on a Friday night and, like, just get in on it, you know? That's what I was thinking. Maybe when we're done with our five weeks, we'll do one Friday night over there. Um, Yeah. So there's other prayer meetings happening too, like the place where we met yesterday, there's a pastor who bought a property in San Ramon that overlooks the whole valley, and his vision is for it to be a retreat center. He's got like 20 acres, and he's got two big homes, and one of the homes is basically a, uh, a prayer room and a meeting room, like you get a church there. And that's where we were yesterday, and he was giving us a tour and everything, and in the prayer room is like he wants it to be a 24-7 prayer room and it feels so good you walk in you're like oh yeah this is the prayer room (laughs) you like immediately feel prayer and uh, I don't know if you guys remember Byron and his wife but they would do sets at Parkway when we would do the burns they're Bethel they were from Bethel students or something they're living there and helping to run the prayer room And so there's a lot of prayer going on up there on this hill, like over the weekends. And this man is like, anytime you guys want to come up and pray, pray in the prayer room, pray over the valley. So we should do a field trip because he totally let us in there any night, you know, because he wants as much prayer going on as possible. (laughs) And he's literally invested everything into having this property be a God property, you know. His name is John, Pastor John. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but um, he's really sweet. And he's Indian, from India. 